Whether you've got a bad case of the space herpes, or the tax man is coming for your stuff, sit back, relax, and listen to the Lollygaggers Podcast. In this episode, Justin finishes out last two and finally learns where babies come from, while Jeff plays fancy charades and dreams of a podcast without Justin. Both Lollygaggers break down the totally space adventure Ice Pirates and end with a gentleman's challenge. All right, welcome to episode number 12 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show that's about all sorts of different geek stuff, TV shows and movies, games and comics. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. It's, uh, <laughs> you're really good at this whole recording thing. Justin's, about... Justin's been uh, forgetting to hit the record button from time to time. Oh so we're having, this is like the fifth time we've redone like the opening 30 seconds or 40, you know, five minutes of the show. Uh, Listen, so we, we I never said be I was really a professional. Good. Never once. Never <laughs> once. True. About I anything. Really teaching or a podcast or anything, you know. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so what's going on? Anything interesting? Um, something somewhat interesting that I came across uh, the other day when I was <laughs> at uh, graduation uh, last oh, week. Um, I, I just had, heard this story. I yeah. Don't, so gonna, you're going to hear it gonna again. going to walk away for a minute. You go ahead and tell all the listeners about um, it. I, I, I was switching in between uh, graduations because like, I had to go watch one in the morning for these kids that I grew, that grew up with me. Um, like I helped them, help raise them a little bit because they were my wife's like, tw- they're twins that my wife looked after for quite a bit. They're like little sisters to us. And then afterwards I had to go to um, the graduation for the school that I work at. And in between I had to change because I'm fat and I sweat a lot and it's Florida. And um, when I'm in the bathroom uh, getting changed for the next one, I noticed I had white hairs all over my chest. So that means that I only have a few more weeks left, I'm sure. Um, it's probably like one of those things like uh, in Frozen when her hair all turns white. Uh, that means that Anna's done for. So I'm thinking when all my chest hair turns white, then I'll turn into a, a, a snow or something. That's gonna be my that's my thought process. That way it's a little more whimsical than just me turning old. So yeah, that's what's happening with me. Um, I'm old. Anything new happening with you? Are you are you done? Yeah, I'm 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 old. Okay, cool. I just like took my headphones off for like forty five seconds or so. Listen, hey, I told you this hey. is never a professional thing. This is, we're mediocre at best. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions, but I don't want to an- ask any of them because I don't really want to answer them. Uh, funny story. I've actually don't think I've ever watched Frozen. I'm trying to think. Um, I, yeah, the soundtrack's I I fantastic. Um, <laughs> and when I play video games, a lot of times I'll play Disney soundtrack. Let it go one. Yeah, yeah. I will say the Moana soundtrack, probably the best soundtrack yet. I love the East Islander type of stuff. So like uh, a lot of Samoan and and uh, stuff like that. I'm really into while playing hardcore video games of just playing the most beautiful Disney soundtracks. So that's that just to get into those. things out for you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Like I'll play a league so that I don't lose my mind. I'll listen to Moana in the background. So wow. that's usually what happens. That's yeah. nice. Anyway, I'm going to get the ball rolling here. I want to talk about a TV show I've been watching uh, for the past two weeks. Just premiered over on the NBC, The Peacock, as it's referred to. NBC. Uh, yeah, it's called Reverie. Uh, it is a show that's created by Mickey Fisher, and it stars 
Sarah Shahai, who is from Person of Interest. Uh, that's how I know her. Uh, she was great in that show. Uh, and Dennis Haysbert, uh, who's from 24. He was the president, the original president from 24. He was also, he's also in Allstate commercials. And most importantly, he was Pedro Serrano uh, on the Cleveland Indians in the Major League Film franchise. And told, he told say, Joe Boo, forget you. I say, yeah. forget you, Joe Yeah, forget you is not really what he says, but that's what he says in the He had to sacrifice a chicken, too. Remember that mm. part? And they gave yeah. him KFC. They totally, but they totally ripped that off of Bull Durham, like our our parent, you know, like where we got our name from, right? That's totally from that. Uh, there's no Bull other Durham. baseball movies other than Indians the franchise total rip baseball off movies. Bull Durham, man. Oh, whatever. Anyway, because they were like, whatever. So anyway, it's a show. It's on NBC. It's summertime fair. So adjust your expectations. At least that's how I view like when and when networks put TV shows on in the summer that are scripted. I assume that's just sort of lighter. Uh, or not necessarily like the cream of the crop. But at, at the same time, I actually found it a fairly watchable show. Um, the premise is kind of interesting. It's a cross between Inception, uh, because it involves the, the, the main character, Sarah Shahai's character, uh, entering people's dreams slash fantasies. She's a hostage negotiator named Mara Kint, uh, and she has to go into, the, oh, go into people's dreams or go into these fantasies because there's a company that's developed a reverie system which allows people to kind of, uh, kind of go into like a, a sleep state and they can explore their memories or they can explore an entirely fictional creation, like a fantastical world, almost like a total recall, right? So it's got a little bit of an inception in it, a little bit of total recall. But at the start of the show, stuff's gone wrong. Uh, so people are getting stuck in their dreams or stuck in their fantasies and they, and they can't come back out. So like stuck in comas. And so her, Mara Kint's old friend, Dennis Haysbert, who works for the company now, uh, he comes in and he's like, can you, you know, you're really good at psychology. You're really good at host negotiation. Maybe you can go in and kind of coax or convince people to leave their fantasy. So that's the basic premise. Uh, in the first episode, I think it was Turtle from Entourage, who is like trying to relive, uh, some stuff with his, his, uh, his wife. Uh, who had passed and then in the second one it was a woman who was kind of playing out a james bond fantasy where she she was like basically playing the female version of james bond um so it's kind of interesting so there's a little bit of this a little bit of that uh there's also got the, the guy the dude who played dr suresh on heroes he's in it too he's one of the the main characters uh the it has kind of a a story of the week vibe to it so i'm two episodes in so far and both of those episodes have been neatly solved by the end so you can definitely see a formula that they're kind of sticking to i hope they don't stick to it like rigidly uh i hope they kind of try to branch out a little bit make it a little bit more challenging there are some overarching storylines that are kind of cool uh, that might be interesting one of them involves the the main character she her it was her sister and her niece were killed um during a, a failed hostage negotiation and so now she's kind of she's been haunted by that that's why she quit the force and now because she's got this little implant in her that allows her to go into other people's dreams she's having like these weird glitches where she can see like the ghost of her niece and stuff like that um then there's like some other board character like board member character that might be thrown in some complications down the line uh, but so far nothing too much just yet uh, but I actually kind of found it to be a fairly solid summer show. Um, I'm probably going to keep watching it. I've been watching it on Hulu the day after. Um, it's not a very tech-heavy show. It hand waves like a lot of the a lot of the tech. Like there's a quote hacker character who literally tells you, "I'm super smart. I got a genius grant," which is always really frustrating. I'm in. But, yeah. One of the weirdest things I I don't like about it is that there's a Google Assistant character that sounds like a kid, and it's just like this kid. And it's just, uh, and I know, I know it's like the hacker's younger brother or something like that. And there's a story behind it, but I just, I don't know. The last person I would want to like have tell me information 
especially when I'm researching like murders and all sorts of, you know, dark stuff. It's like a little eight-year-old kid, but whatever. That's just me. I immediately get annoyed when there's a kid playing video games with me. I can't imagine what it's like trying to solve someone's murder. So it's not so much murders as in like trying to solve a mystery of how to get people out. I, I think I misspoke with that. So anyway, it's decent. It's a kind of a light summer show. If you got nothing else you're watching over the summer, if you're not like you don't have like a a long list of things you have to catch up on. It's pretty solid. Um, it's certainly not as like innovative or um, kind of groundbreaking or it doesn't really push the envelope as much as like a Westworld or like Inception or something like that. But it's definitely in that same vein and definitely accessible too. So that's Reverie. It's on NBC. Uh, I think it's on on Wednesdays and it shows up usually on Hulu on Thursdays. Uh, so what do you got for us? So speaking of long lists of things to do, I have a list update for myself, All right. So I told you last oh, week. This is the my, thing you told us in the last episode. Yeah, yeah I told yeah. you this is my giant list of things. So I, I've knocked out a few things. I have a couple things I want to do today. Um, and the first thing I did is I finished watching The Punisher. So I finished watching The Punisher. I watched like eight episodes in one day, um, which it, it's not great to do because it's a pretty heavy show and it's pretty hyper violent. So like eight episodes in a row, you see a lot of people get murdered in horrible, horrific ways. I will say, though, the main bad guy does have some really rough stuff happen to him uh, in the last episode. And, like, the second main bad guy has even worse things happen to him. So, they're interesting, but they're just absolutely uh, morbid and crazy. So, it's just like, okay, I guess it's okay because they're terrible people. But, holy moly, like, you're not a great guy, which I guess is the juxtaposition of the story but like i don't know it's i prefer my level of violence to be more along the lines of like daredevil where it's more realistic and not so much it's like an awesome kung fu fight in the middle yeah, of the hallway yeah, yeah. God, a, se a seven minute fight season? in the hallway oh i love it's that my favorite so and then they did it again so in the second season in a yeah. stairwell yeah and yeah, i hope the they do that at least once yeah. once a season so i can't wait for that one either way um, Punisher was fine. It's just really violent and it's hard to root for a guy who's just a piece of garbage. So maybe that's what they're trying to do, but let's get some more happiness in this life, I guess. Anyways, oh, I also neat. watched, uh, Logan Lucky, mm -hmm. which is a Steven Soderbergh movie. He did the, uh, Ocean's Eleven movies, which I really like. Sure. Um, I even like the second one. Not as much as the first and third one, because they do this whole, like, Julia Roberts thing, which is like, come on, come on. Really? It was on the second one, the Julia Roberts thing, and the third one was the one where Matt Damon had the big nose and they had Al Pacino. Yeah. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I liked yeah. those, because I was like, there was, I forget which one had the French guy who was... was uh, like... Second and third. He was introduced in the second, and he had, like, a brief... I still uh, liked the, the wrap -up, he was in the third. Yeah. I still thought they were really good. Anyways... This is another heist movie, um, which there's not a lot of, um, even though you can say like Solo had a heist part to it. But uh, this was yeah, really... Solo is definitely a heist movie, yeah. I would say. For sure. This is really interesting the way they did it. Um, it stars Channing Tatum, Adam Driver. It has... Uh, oh, crap. You know, we already talked about this. What's his name? 007. 007. His name is Daniel Craig. Daniel Justin. Craig's in it. Yeah, he does a really great job. Yeah. Justin Hillary likes Swank. to refer to him uh, as the name Dan. He's like, hey, yeah. Dan. Dan Craig. Name. You know, my friend Dan. Hello, Dan. How you doing? Um, Daniel Craig's in it. Uh, I was trying to think what else here. Uh, Hillary Swank has a very small role at the end um, as an investigator. But, like, 
it basically follows a guy uh, around, his last name's Logan, and basically they think that they have this curse about him, his brothers, so that's played by uh, Channing Tatum, his brother's Adam Driver, he, uh, Channing Tatum gets uh, uh, fired from his job because he has a pre-existing condition he didn't disclose in the forms, they see it as an insurance problem, Adam Driver's brother runs a, um, a bar and he has one arm because he worked for um the army at some point and got it blown off by an iud um and so basically channing tatum's ex-wife uh who's played by katie holmes is going to take his daughter across state lines and he can't afford to move out there so in order to see his daughter he decides to rob the raceway and he was supposed to do it on a on a low a low income day because he didn't either be less scars and everything but because of the way the timing ran um he decides to do it during the pepsi 600 which is like the biggest race in america at that time so basically he starts a plan to rob the nascar uh the the nascar event uh, without them knowing and there's all these little things like Sodenberg does a really good job of like putting little things here and there and like putting little hints of what's going on and then at the end revealing to you the entire story of what happened and how interesting it was so i really enjoyed it it starts off a little slow but they're doing a lot of like character development and there's a lot of really super dry humor and when i think back to like oceans 11 there's a lot of that too where like a lot of the talk between like brad pitt and george clooney was very dry um like the little interactions back and forth and that's what i liked about it it was really an interesting story with a with a cool cool ending and they make logan and um well channing tatum's character and his brother's character or adam driver's character seem like complete idiots but they're really really very cool and smart so um so that was good and also the most importantly for my list i have been able to accomplish a nap every day so far so sure that's the most important thing i make sure it happens right Mm -hmm. I need my beauty sleep because everyone knows. Do you do it first thing in the morning when you wake up? Um, sometimes I'll wake up, have breakfast, and then I'll just be laying in my bed and unfortunately fall back asleep. But okay. most of the time it's afternoon style, and it's like an hour, hour, 30 minutes. It's pretty great. So, right. you know, it's, it's important to me. So, anyways, that's the update for my list of things to do. Up next is going to be... Legion, I gotta watch it, and probably gonna watch John Wick too. So it's next on my list of things to do. Cool, cool. All right. So on my end, uh, I want to talk about a little Kickstarter uh, by a game, a game called uh, Monikers: Colon More Monikers. That's the name of the Kickstarter I like campaign. Monikers. Yeah. So just Justin came out, visited us uh, New Year's, and uh, we played a bit of this. This is a big old party game. It's based on a kind of a public domain game called Celebrities. Uh, but monikers is just like a polished up version of it. Uh, so the way the game's played, pretty straightforward, uh, is there's a deck of cards, and w- these color- cards all have uh, some sort of piece of information. So usually, I mean, originally it was just celebrity names, but now it's like celebrity names, locations, internet memes, references, pop culture stuff, all sorts of things. So it could be you know anything from like Nikola Tesla to like Mom's spaghetti uh, or you know the sugar plum fairy those are some of the ones that they have on their on their main site and there's all sorts of historical figures etc so there's this big old deck of them 
And so you get everybody around the table who's going to participate or whatever room you're going to play. Uh, and you divide that big old deck and you give everybody who's playing like maybe 10 to 15 cards. And then you have them go through those 10 to 15 cards that they have and they pick maybe five to seven or so and they put them into a central pool in the middle of the play space. And then, so everyone's doing that. So let's say you have like seven people playing the game. Everyone picks like six, seven cards from their stack. And so you end up having a, a deck of around 40 to 50 cards. Now, each of these cards, uh, they all have like, again, one specific person or one specific detail. And then what you do is you start playing little guessing games because it has a little bit of like word games in it, a little bit of charades in it, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Now you can play this competitively where like you split the, the group of people that's playing up into teams. You can do this cooperatively, which is what we normally play, where it's just like everyone's guessing. We're just kind of having fun. And then you get a little timer out, get your, you know, your cell phone out or whatever, and you do a little timer. And round one, is what you do is you take that, that, that central pool, that little deck of like 50, 50 cards or so, and you give it to one person. And then this person, over the course of a minute, draws a card from the top. They look at that card, and then they have to give clues, like you know, as like a guessing game, to get everybody to guess exactly what's on that card, right? So, uh, Justin was just talking about James Bond. So let's just say you get the card that says James Bond on it, right? It says specifically says 007, and you're trying to give them clues then without giving without saying 007. Uh, to, to actually guess that. So maybe you actually name some of the actors who've played James Bond in the past, and eventually someone's going to say, oh, yeah, 007, they're going to get it. And then you, then you draw another card until your time runs out. Once your time runs out, you pass that deck over to the next person, and round and round it goes. So once you go through that whole entire deck, everyone's now got an idea of all of the different cards that are in that deck. And so on round two, you do the same thing. You give the, you do the deck of cards to a, to a player, you get the timer going, and they draw a card from that same deck, and then they have to give one singular clue, like one word. They can only say one word and that's it. Uh, so if they're trying to figure out 007, you might just say bond, right? Because that's a single word and you say that and someone throws out 007. But it can only be one word and that's it. Do the same thing, go through that whole deck. And then you go on to round three. Same thing, there's a timer. Except this time you can't use any words. You can just use charades. And so you have to actually do the same thing. So how do you how do you make someone you guess 007? Maybe you do that kind of slow walk and then the quick turn and pointing the gun directly at the camera. That happens at the beginning of like most James Bond movies, right? So that's how you kind of do it. Uh, and then, then like you can end the game there, which is where a lot of people do. Uh, but then sometimes, if you want, you can kind of go to these optional and crazy rounds for maybe five or six or something like that, and you do a bunch of weird, bizarre stuff because we do this too. So one of the things we do is we take a this big old chair I have, this big old cushy green chair, and we move it out into the middle of the room, and then somebody has to squat behind it. And when they're giving clues now, they can only give clues with their hands sticking up from behind that particular chair, and it's kind of like in a, in a sock puppet type of way. We don't actually make them wear socks, but that would be cool. So I'm making a mental note. Uh, and then maybe we do another one where they just stick their head out from behind the actual couch and they can only mime or mimic the actual clue using just their head and facial expressions and stuff like that. Uh, one of the expansions of monikers, which is a little packet of cards, they had a they had a bunch of suggested fourth round option things, stuff like do the ghost thing where a person, you, you get a bed sheet, you drop a bed sheet over them and they have to do charades, but with a bed sheet over top of them. Or another one was where one person, like you do it in pairs where one person stands still and lets the other person kind of move them uh, to create that sort of teamwork charades. 
So that's the game, and it's a huge, fun uh, party game for quite a few number, you know, quite a few people. You can play it with, you know, four or five. You can play it with like ten or twelve. I mean, we we often play it with a fairly high count, and it's just sort of like the end of the night wrap up where we're just sort of having fun. There's a fun little internal joke and references that start emerging throughout the uh, uh, throughout the actual you know game itself because you're seeing the same cards over and over again. There's all sorts of pop culture stuff. Um, so it's a really fun game. Uh, it's up on Kickstarter, so. The, the, the actual Kickstarter that's running right now is called Monikers, More Monikers, right? They've had other Monikers campaigns in the past. Uh, one was for the original game, which is a couple hundred cards. And then they've had in the, you know, in the past couple of years, they've had like small expansions. That's maybe like, you know, somewhere between like 60 to 100 cards. And now they're doing Monikers, More Monikers, which is a bunch of new cards and a big box that's enough to store all of the cards from all of the expansions that they put out so far. So this is your first time getting into monikers. You actually, there actually is a pledge level. If you're really interested in the game and you want everything, you can pay 75 bucks for it. But if you're like me and you already have the game and you just want to spend as little as possible, there's a pledge for 25 bucks. So there are pledge levels between 25 and 75 bucks for, you know, depending on how much you want to buy, how many expansions you want to get with it. And it's really just a bunch of cards, but it's really nicely, nicely laid out. Uh, it's really got, it's got good, simple graphic design, easy to kind of follow through. It's got a little point system that you can use if you want. Also has, usually has descriptions uh, of whatever the, uh, is on the card. So maybe, maybe you see an internet meme and you're like 72 years old and you're like, I don't know what the heck internet meme this is, but at least there's a description of it that you can go by and it'll help you. So uh, but I highly recommend it. Justin came out. He played it with us. We've played it a ton out here uh, in my game group, uh, and almost everybody here loves it. Uh, so it's a really good game. I, I definitely suggest everyone take a look at this. Uh, it's up on Kickstarter until the 28th of June. Uh, so that's Monikers, colon, more Monikers. One thing I like about it, I think it does a really good job of getting people out of their comfort shell, right? Because, yeah. like, I know you have, like, coder play and stuff like that, and... People He's that, one of the ones who doesn't really like it. Yeah, but people that don't usually do stuff like that, yeah. or maybe they don't know the group that well. Like, my wife loved it, and she doesn't oh, really great. know you guys that well. And yeah. it was really a fun way to kind of, like, to open up a little bit and be creative. So that's and we like play it super cooperatively. So, like, we don't make it competitive at all. Like, everyone's on the same team, and we're just having fun. We're just kicking back. We're having fun. You can make it competitive, and there's, like, points and stuff like that. But that's not what we play. We just kind of do it as a fun uh, end-of-the-night activity like the last hour of play and we just kind of screw around and it's it's really good so again monikers more monikers definitely recommend it if your wife's interested in it tell her to go take a look you, you can find a, a fairly uh, inexpensive pledge and there's quite a few cards that you can play with so all right man what else yeah so adding to my list of things that i did is i finished up outlast 2 uh on my stream last thursday and um Holy. i'm not good with the scary games because i'm what you call a giant wuss um I, I don't know how to deal with scaryisms or startlings. So, um, yeah, this was a tough one for me. But a friend of mine basically suggested and said you should try it out. And I did. Um, and I somehow trudged through the whole thing. So, basically, the storyline is you are in rural Arizona. And you're trying to find your girlfriend who went lost. Girlfriend, wife, girlfriend? Something that's important to you. So I she, do not know the answer to this. Anyways. She went lost, and you're trying to find her. Um, your helicopter crash lands, and you basically find yourself in the middle of between a uh, super sadistic group of Christians, I guess extremists, crazy people, and then also uh, mud paganists that basically are like mud people. And basically you find yourself in the middle of this war, and they think that 
your wife slash girlfriend is giving birth to the Antichrist and that you have basically the seed of the Antichrist in you. Anyways, it's a bunch of crazy stuff. You can't defend yourself. It's all just kind of like exploring and hiding. The only problem I'd say about the game is once you die in a certain area and you know what the gimmick is and what's happening, it loses its excitement and scare. But every now and then there is a new moment that creates the intensity to go back up again. Um, every once in a while you flash back to a time when you were a kid in, in, in grade school. That to me was the most creepy part because it's like a, a school that doesn't have all of its lights on and you get stalked by this giant monster and you hear, hear little girls in the background talking and all these different little things. And to me, I work in a school, I've seen that a lot where it's like you're in hallways that are kind of lit but not really lit. And I've seen long hallways, so I'm like, this is too familiar, it's too much for me. Um, so it was good. Um, so the end of the game is the most intriguing thing, and Gabe had uh, clipped it on on uh, my Twitch feed, and you can go, it's on our Discord, so you can look at it if you want to. But basically, the last five minutes of the game consists of this, alright? There is a mud orgy of mud people. So you get like knocked out and as you're walking through, you see sure. a large group of mud people all just having all types of sex. And it's kind of hard when I first... Nuts. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, all, I'm walking through and I'm like, what's going on in here? And you're like, oh my god, they're all having sex. There's that. Um, then you flash back to being a kid again and there's a presumed child diddling that occurs between mm. a, a priest and a little girl. Then that same priest, like a couple minutes later... Then throws the girl downstairs. I don't know if it was on purpose or if he, you know, because like he's trying to cover stuff up or it was an accident. So the little girl dies. Um, then uh, a few moments later, you see the birth of a child. Like, and it's not kind of like over the shoulder. It's like you look dead down the pipe and you well, see the whole thing. That's just like the most beautiful thing in the world. I think. Not in this case, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And I hope one day. Uh, we can eventually conceive a child. I'm not gonna watch it at all. I've seen By we, He means uh, him and his wife. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, that would Me be, and you. When we, we would break some sort of natural. When we have a junior scenario thing. happen, uh, so mm. I'm the Danny DeVito in this case. <laughs> okay. So uh, basically, you see a baby being born. The whole thing, like crowning everything. It's ridiculous. Then shortly after that, a big fat priest slits his own throat and dies um which kind of reminded me of that south park moment when uh rob reiner uh, gets stabbed in the throat and all the goo comes out i'm our precious goo that reminded me of that and then finally to wrap it all up as you're walking the baby out of the weird town a giant nuke goes off so sure. it's the weirdest thing i've ever been uh ever had a chance to play it's horrifying and I think the most horrifying thing about the whole thing was watching an actual video game simulation of a childbirth. And it was pretty realistic. So, uh, yeah, so if you like that type of stuff, you guys should totally pick up Outlast 2. Um, it was uh, awful um, to watch, but some people are into that type of gross, creepy stuff. Um, however, next up to bat in my scary games, I will be playing Alien Isolation on yes, hard difficulty um which i told the ai in that game learns and it's very difficult to deal with so yeah yeah i played on hard it was uh 
it was fun. I got it pretty soon after it came out. I love it. I love all of things alien. So I can't. Yeah, I can't great. take the scary. So that's next Thursday. Well, I'm looking out, forward to that. Check it out on Twitch.tv slash <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. Anyways, all right. I'll never that. Let's talk more about your stuff. Okay, so I got a quick note. This, I'll make this fast. Uh, Game of Thrones news this week got uh we got we heard some news so let me let me give you some background first before we get to the, the new news so about a about a year ago hbo announced that it was going to explore potential game of thrones spin-offs and it had about four or five different writing teams that it was contracting with at the time and so each was exploring a different aspect or location of the game of thrones universe and then hbo was going to evaluate and plan you know their pitches and make some sort of decision so we got some news this week in that HBO liked the scripts from Jane Goldman, who is a writer on uh, X-Men First Class, and they greenlit the development of a pilot. Okay, so not the whole series, just a pilot. Uh, and so I'm sure they'll make a determination whether or not it's going to go to series after viewing that pilot. So George George R. R. Martin, Goldman, a couple other people are going to uh, be executive producers, and then Goldman's going to sh- run the show. Now, there's not a ton of detail yet as to what the uh, story is going to be or what what they're going to explore, but we do know that it's going to be a prequel. So it's it's going to be it's going to be taking place. The the events in the actual prequel are going to take place well before what we've watched during Game of Thrones, like literally thousands of years. So it's kind of like the Knights of the Old Republics uh, for uh, for like Star Wars. Right? So it's like set significantly before the events that we are familiar with. Um, the the official logline of the actual series is, or at least this is what they've said, quote, the series chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. And only one thing is for sure, from the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East to the Starks of legend, it's not the story we think we know. So it uh, sounds like they're exploring like kind of distant past, uh, maybe looking at maybe stuff with the First Men, maybe stuff with Children of the Forest, which would be cool. Um, if, cause especially if they're talking about the origin of the White Walkers, that seems to be relevant uh, based upon what we've seen in the Game of Thrones series. So uh, I'm excited, but I'm also skeptical because I'm not a huge fan uh, normally of prequels. Not because I think prequels they're bad. Prequels always make me nervous. Like I loved Rogue One, but at the same time, I, it's like I know how it ends. You know, I know ultimately like where this is going. So there's always a little bit of that. However, because there's there's t- letting it take place like literally thousands of years beforehand, that might actually you know make it a little bit beneficial. So I'm keeping an open mind, and I'm curious what they're gonna do. Uh, so if we get any more information, we'll let you know. Uh, but so far, that's all we got right now. But I'm curious. We'll see. And it's not gonna land for a while. Like when they do the pilot. Uh, or if they decide to turn it into a series, like they're, they've already announced that they're not going to do like a backdoor pilot. They're going to wait until well after Game of Thrones has already run its course to actually start airing uh, the prequel series. So anyway, that's Game of Thrones uh, news. Uh, you can Google it and find some more information. Uh, I don't think anything new has come out in the past couple of days, but that just came out last week, maybe two, three days ago. So you got, uh, you got one last quick thing for us, Justin? Yeah, I uh, picked up uh, Batman number 48 because I'm really looking forward to the... Um... The, the marriage, yeah, the marriage <laughs> between Selena Kyle and uh, Bruce Wayne. So I'm I'm really curious to see how that's going. So the first comic to lead up to that, so they, they do do like story arcs. Story arcs are usually like uh, four to five comics long. So they're starting the first story arc, and it's called the Best Man, and it's uh, centered around the Joker. So it's uh, written by Tom King and uh, drawn by Michael Janin or Janin. I'm sure it's Janin. I'm sure I'm screwing it up somehow. Anyways, 
So the story basically revolves around... You should around... slow down and, and talk about some more so you can draw more attention to the mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the story basically revolves around uh, the Joker uh, and him, I guess he found out about the wedding coming up and uh he goes to was he a, invited and he's just not a, he's upset yeah, he he's, that's, what he's, that's the whole premise he's just it's really... all about him asking if he can bring a plus one that's basically what it's all about Aww. um so he goes to a, a another wedding nearby and basically sure. assaults and kills everyone inside of it just to get batman's sure. attention mm-hmm. and what i like about it is you haven't seen joker in a long time and i've been kind of wondering what the joker's going to be like here in the upcoming kind of comic books and it's pretty much your killing joke slash uh, Mark Hamill style Joker, where he's sadistic but also funny, and you think it's and I think it's really interesting. So the comic basically revolves 100% around him. He just he talks the whole time. Batman says one word in the entire comic book. It's basically about how he's trying to get Batman's attention, trying to get him to show up, <clears throat> and at the end, pretty much he asks him if he's his best man, uh, which indicates that he wants to be invited to the wedding. Because there's always been this weird thing where I guess that Joker thinks that he should have all of Batman's undivided attention. And I guess Selina Kyle would be distracting from that. So I'm assuming he's got some jealousy of Catwoman and doesn't like the fact that she's marrying his boyfriend, essentially. So near the end of the comic, kind of a little cliffhanger, uh... There's an explosion, Joker knows where it's coming from, so he survives, And but Batman's knocked out, and then Selina Kyle's in a couple buildings further away, and she's talking to herself about the conversation she had with Bruce about, don't come in, I got this, you can't, he's unpredictable, you, you can't deal with him, you've never dealt with him, you don't know who he is, what he's really done, and she just ignores him and jumps into the fight. That's where it kind of stops. So it kind of makes you kind of think, like, what's going to happen, what's going on, and where is it all going to lead? Um, the art's beautiful. Um, this is Tom King's first real big arc with Batman. He did a couple other things, but this is like, anytime you involve the Joker, like most, there's only like six or seven Joker stories. And most of them kind of like stay in a special hierarchy of stories. Cause I can't think of a single bad Joker story like ever, especially since, uh, like the killing joke and stuff like that. So it's like. If you're gonna take a shot at this, it's gotta be great. And this is a this is a, supposed to be a big moment. You know, Batman's getting married, and the Joker's involved. So like, this is going to be one of those things that stick along in the, I guess, the upper echelon of Batman lore. So I'm curious how the guy goes about doing it. He's he's had some good success in the past of writing some stuff, but this is a pretty big, pretty tall order. Especially if you're a Batman fan. I've always been a Batman fan, but he's never been my favorite. He's my he's like my second favorite DC character. But, like, his stories are always fantastic because he's just so grounded in reality, even though this is an insane person dressed like a, a, a clown. But, um, again, that's uh, Batman number 48 by Tom King and uh, pencils by uh, Michael Jannon. Pick it up at your local comic book shop or Comixology. Uh, it's about two ninety nine. DC has, like, this thing where they don't usually go over three bucks with their comics because they, like, make sure they're affordable. It's a little thing they did not too long ago to try and ensure... That's how they differentiate themselves from like Marvel. Marvel has like four or five dollar comics all the time, but um, check it out. Uh, I thought it was pretty good, anyways. I'm done with that. Cool, all right. I think we're done with the first segment here. We're gonna head over into a wee bit of breakdown. And it's the movie. 
breakdown. Ice Pirates is a space adventure movie from the 80s, which is the golden age and graveyard of space adventure movies. Uh, it's directed by Stuart Raffle and written by Raffle and Stanford Sherman of Kroll fame. Uh, we love Kroll at uh, the Lollygivers podcast. Now, it has a surprisingly great cast. Uh, it's got Robert Urich uh, playing the role of Jason. He's the star of the whole shebang. It's got Mary Crosby as Princess Karina, Angelica freaking Houston as Maida, and Ron Mellon Farman Perlman as Zeno. Uh, it even has the disembodied head of Bruce Valanche, which is kind of fun. Now, the story takes place in the distant, distant future uh, in a time when water is so rare that it is heavily controlled and rationed by the Templars of Mithra, which is a not particularly nice galactic organization that's doing whatever they can to maintain control of water. So Jason, which is Ulrich's character, uh, plays the leader of a group of ice pirates that steal ice, hence their name. Uh, now, on one raid, the raid at the very beginning of the movie, they stumble across Princess Karina, who is inexplicably asleep within a tube filled with dry ice. This isn't really important. It just was strange, and I didn't understand. Uh, now, Jason kidnaps her, naturally, because he's a pirate, and that's, I guess, the thing that they do. And this gets them caught up uh, with the Templars. Uh, Jason and his first mate, Roscoe, played by Michael D. Roberts, eventually get captured and sent to become eunuchs on a castration assembly line system. Uh, then they wear white tights and tank tops and white wigs, and they talk in these fake high voices and eventually get rescued. And that's when the movie starts getting weird. There's space herpes. There's a planet filled with Amazonians who ride unicorns into battle that impale people with their horns. There's the talking and decapitated head of Bruce Valanche. There's literally the greatest love scene ever recorded in human history. And then there's an amazing final battle that involves time travel and stuff like that. So, yeah. Anyway, this movie's been out for about 34 years. You've had your chance. We're spoiling the crap out of it. Uh, we should also preface, I suppose, why we're doing this. So Justin, as he's mentioned uh, in this episode and at other times, is a big old wuss. Uh, yeah, and he scary movies want... are, are no bueno for me. I wanted to do Hereditary uh, this week, but Justin I do is not like, at too scary. All. Oh my God, it's a movie. Whatever. It's supposed to be super scary. I don't want any part I of can't, it. For... I can't make the intellectual distinction between something on a screen and something that's really happened to me. Uh, so, wait a minute. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's on the screen. It's not really happening to you. So, we're not doing that. So, then we decided that we were going to start doing a retro review every now and then. Something, it's an idea we've been throwing around. Uh, so, maybe. Pulling something from the past that uh, we like, not just doing stuff that's you know modern. So Justin's like, yeah, just pick something you like. So I pick Ice Pirates. And I really kind of tossed around which one I wanted to do because I was thinking maybe I'll just do Willow. But I knew that Justin's already seen Willow and I didn't really want to do that. I, and I was Willow. like, maybe, maybe, maybe we should do Leviathan because everyone always talks about the Abyss and they don't talk about like the Leviathan. They came out around the same time. So then I thought, what the heck? I just talked about Spelljammer last week. I'm closing down my Starfinder campaign. It's all about space adventure. So let's do the Ice Pirates. And so that's, that's, uh, that's where it came from. I, uh, I first watched the Ice Pirates when I was like eight or nine or 10, somewhere around, somewhere around there. And it, my next door neighbor down the street had like a really tiny black and white TV that was super small, like maybe eight, nine inches, something like that. And he had, uh, he hooked up, uh, you know, a VCR to it. And so we watched like Ice Pirates. We watched like, that's how I first watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail and Life of Brian and stuff like that. So, uh, so I watched a lot of those amazing, uh, amazing movies in Spaceballs. I watched that too on that tiny little, that tiny little screen. And so I still remember Ice Pirates. I haven't seen it for a really long time. So I thought, eh, what the heck with it? Let's do Ice Pirates. 
So anyway, preamble done, explanation context given. Justin, what did you think of the totally spaced adventure, The Ice Pirates? So this movie uh, was a roller coaster ride for me, to say the least. Okay. Mm-hmm. Roller so, coasters are fun. Awesome. So that's two recommendations from uh, the Log Guys well, podcast. Okay. Let's, let's hold on first. Let's, on let's, to the next let's hold on. Okay. All right. Um, so I have never even heard of this movie. Um, I just said pick a movie that you like. Um, sure. I could be a movie that I've seen, or it could be a movie I haven't seen. But I to wanted you, to broaden your horizons, Justin. And you definitely did with this. But um, so a few things I wrote down from my notes. So I'm looking at my notes here. First off, Ron Perlman, and probably his first ever appearance in a movie, isn't it? I don't know if that's true. At Very all. young ahead. Ron Perlman, um, who gets his hand cut off inexplicably and doesn't even care, um, which is interesting. Um, so there's a bunch of weird stuff that happens in this movie. So in the beginning of the film, they're Apparently, trying that to... that was a really funny moment when he got his hand cut off. It was. Like, it was just like, oh, get my hand back, would you? Yeah. Uh, there's a moment in the movie where they're, they're doing this water heist. And when they go into it, the, the, uh, the guards are going around. And one of the guards is going up a ladder. And it's clearly like a construction ladder from the set. Which was really weird and out of place to me like you spend all this money on set design and then this guy's just walking up a normal rung ladder which i thought was really strange sure. um so like i it find it like, really strange that this is what you're focusing on it's just like <laughs> little things like that poked out like the construction or the uh the conveyor belt when they're going through their castration thing was clearly like a bottle factory and they mm-hmm. push them through a conveyor belt type of thing which is really weird and they have like a That's weird cool. moment where like uh, I guess they they had this guy with an ascot who I guess they were trying to assume that he was homosexual of nature and he was shaving their chests and stuff. And when he saw Jason, he gave him like the eye, and that was just yeah. really strange. Um, it's cheeky, it's tongue in cheek. Right? So like the whole time watching this movie, I'm like, who is this for? Like, is it for kids? Because you saw you say you saw one when you were eight, so yeah. like. That's super young. This is not meant for eight-year-olds at all. Like, there's a pimp robot. So? You gotta... Listen, man. (laughs) You you gotta learn about this stuff. That's just what society is like. There are pimps. There's prostitutes. There's a pimp robot that says, like, what up, blood? It's just nuts. (laughs) Uh, There is... At one point in the movie, as they're trying to escape a planet, uh, a chauffeur slash robot slash pimp wanders up to the characters. It's so weird. And offers them services in like the most, uh, it's just so ridiculous. And then like the, there's a screen on the chest that shows like the different digital displays of the women they can choose from. Yeah. It's, it's quite, yeah. Uh, it's honestly quite ingenious if you ask me, but that's, that's just me. Anyway. Yeah, continue. but like, uh, it's, parts of this movie seem like it's for a kid, hmm. but then parts of the movie seem like, how is that for a child? Like, in the middle of the movie, they drop an N word. Like, Sure. Out of nowhere. Sure. And uh, and the guy gets, gets chastised for it, and it, then gets his head, head cut does, off. So. It doesn't make it. Is it yeah. Okay, but still, two problems. It's nineteen eighty four. It's thirty four years ago. Like yeah, but like when you're in a society as to which there's limited resources and water, you're still right. going to be throwing those words around. So that to me is like what? And then we still throw those words around in twenty eighteen, and we're in a society with all sorts of 
problems with coastlines <laughs> rising, icebergs melting. I don't know. Also, and then stuff. like it's supposed to be a kids movie, I guess, kind of. And like, uh, uh, there's uh, there's a great moment where there's a battle with unicorns, and the mm-hmm. unicorns like Fantastic. use their horns as weapons, which I never thought of. And it's really yeah. cool. I guess they grow yeah. back over time because it just snaps off in someone's chest. So sure. it's like. That was interesting. And then, what I would call the piece de la resistance of this movie. Okay. The most yeah. unique sex scene I've seen in my entire life. And by that he means the greatest I love guess, scene ever recorded in human history. Which again, gets the question of who is this for? Because like, there's a moment where, first off, they're in like a simulator where like... It's like a it's, holodeck. Yeah. And it's raining all over them, and like they're basically yeah. naked. And she's like, "That's not true. That's not true. They're not basically naked. They're completely clothed." We it looks like the cover of a Daniel Steele novel. Is what it looks like. What? Yeah, you know, they like have all their stuff. clothes on. It's like, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's definitely got that. That's what the spoof is, though. Like, there, he's a pirate, and he's got like yeah, his shirts all buttoned down, right? It's like a Fabio moment. Like, it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be silly. But like, like, there's never, moments where it's like. Anything. Where it's like, let me get your, let me get your holster, let me get your belt. And it's he goes, like, no, he says, he says, I, uh, I should take off this, uh, this like rapier or some rapier or sword or something like that. And then she's like, she's like, here, let me do it. Like, oh, you're so stiff. I mean, the belt. Yeah, this is so weird. And then she's like, the best part was like, she's like, ah, uh, shouldn't you be at the controls? And he's like, if you insist. And he starts crawling down to do yeah. it. Do his D as a, so a kind reciprocal man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's anti DJ Kyle leading her, I guess. <laughs> but it's like, it's just insane. So, like, fantastic. Fantastic. So then, okay, I'm watching this film and I don't, I can't make heads or tails of what it's supposed to be. Is this a, uh, a, a serious film? Is this supposed to be like, was this you the actually crack? thought at some point? In I this don't movie. know. It was serious. But then since you mentioned that it was of Kroll fame, I'm like, okay, so like this is very Kroll-esque, right? No, it's got this, this is, weird... This is not like Kroll. Kroll took itself seriously. This is like a, a movie that's just not, not taking itself seriously. But I, like, I couldn't tell for a long time, but then... Really? But then the, the, first then the scene end of the movie. Comes. First scene of the movie. First scene of the movie. They're breaking into the, the, actual, the, the actual ice hauler that they're trying to steal the ice from. And so they drill a hole into that particular station or that, sp- that particular ship. And w- do you remember where it is that they, uh, that they drilled into? Do you remember where it was? It was into a, a, bathroom. Bathroom, it was a bathroom on which some weird alien was taking a dump and reading a magazine. Like, that's your first clue right there. Like, don't take this seriously. Like, I guess, like, right but like, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was, right like, up. a little kitty movie. I, I just couldn't tell because, like, a kid would laugh at farts, right? Like, little kids. I don't know. But then I guess Blazing Saddles had farts in it, too. So. Sure. Mel Brooks says Anyways. all sorts of crazy fart, like, humor and silly humor and whatnot. So, with all this considered, the mm-hmm. last 20% of the movie, the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of it was mm-hmm. brilliant. Was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, and I think it really wrapped up the film. Like if I had any doubts about the first part of like the first two acts, the third act is really what solidified this as truly an amazing film. Um, okay. So what basically I'm not being sarcastic about it. Just to give you some context on how this ends. Uh, so towards the latter, latter third of the movie, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to the seventh planet. Uh, The seventh planet is the planet that is rumored or by legend to have like, 
uh, a system that allows for rainfall and, and that has like the whole kind of cycle where like rain hits the ground and it gets evaporated back up into clouds and it gets rained again. So it's like this constant recycling of water, which is something that the planets within the Ice Pirates galaxy doesn't actually have. And so it's just rumored, you know, wonderful place that they all want to uh, go to. However, it's at the center of this weird uh, kind of time dilation system that they have to go through like there's this weird kind of flux that they have to go through which causes if you don't go in with the right at the right angle or if you don't go in on the, on the right on the right course uh you're going to suffer all sorts of crazy time effects and time basically goes super fast and so every couple of seconds is basically a day and that's what happens they kind of go on the wrong path and the whole entire last like 10 15 minutes is this extended battle scene where like they're aging, like, like every ten seconds they age a day, and which so, like, is just really cool. Yeah, it's just like their beards are growing super yeah. fast. Uh, one guy dies of old age um, on their crew. Um, I guess he got her pregnant at some during that sex scene. That's so, what I hear. What happens? Yeah. That's how babies are made. It's and like, so then, like the baby's born and then becomes a man within the time that this is all happening, which is. It's it's one of the most inventive things, sure. and it's it's very uh, gutsy what they did with that. But that to me was what solidified the whole film. I'm like this is amazing. Mm. Like at the end of the move, at the end of the whole battle scene, his black friend has an afro that's like four feet long. <laughs> yeah, his and, beard uh, is gigantic too. Yeah, his beard's down to the floor, and it's just like it's like lily white. It's just unbelievable looking, and it's like. This is great. And then his son. My favorite part is when like the princess comes out of her comes out of her quarters and she's like trying to find her nanny, like the nanny for the kid. And oh yeah, she's bones. She's dead. She's like bone dead and dried out in the hallway. Like oh no, nanny died. Oh good times. But it was it's it just that ending made it so much better. And then like mm -hmm. out of nowhere, oh we're fine, we won, and yeah. we're back to normal. It's like. This weird wave of the hand of, uh, I guess that'll happen, but it didn't happen, right? No, what happened is that their son came and saved them. That's what happened. It's just really weird. But, like, yeah. overall, yeah. though, because of that ending, the whole movie was amazing. Like, it's so strange, and it's so interesting. It makes me wonder why it's not more known. I know it's really weird and, uh, like, quirky, but, like... It's to me. It's it's just the thing where it's like it should have gotten some more recognition for what it was. It wasn't um, clear as day, funny like a spaceballs or something like that. But like what they did was really interesting. Uh, I mean it. It actually had modest success at the box office when it came out. I think it made like fourteen mil, and it was like cost like nine mil to make. So it had like it actually profited slightly, unlike you know Krill. Uh, I do think certain people of a certain age and a certain inclination, like myself, uh, know of Ice Pirates and like that kind of stuff. It's like goofy, cheesy movies. That's kind of what this is. Like this isn't, I mean, it's not a serious movie, you know, like they're all kind of banking off to some degree, like the success of Star Wars that, you know, occurred in the late seventies and the early eighties and whatnot. And, but this was far goofier. I am I am absolutely stunned that you didn't know like, like that you kind of got obsessed with trying to figure out who this was for. Like this this movie is dumb. Like it's just dumb. It's just a dumb, silly, goofy thing. There are pirates in space where there's laser weapons and they're using metallic swords still. Like like that's their yeah, it's main. Just weird. It's it just what? the whole concept doesn't make any sense. It didn't make sense in Kroll either. 
Within the, first, within the first 10 minutes, they bonk a dude on the head while he's taking a dump, this weird alien guy, and there's kung fu fighting between robots. Like, I just feel like off the, you know, like this, this movie is for people of the ages of 16 or younger who just like, you know, silly stuff. And like, it's rated PG, like it wasn't supposed to be. And like, there's, there's like, obviously there's a bunch of weird references, but like, I think that's true of any kid's movie. You watch Disney movies and there's all sorts of references that only adults pick up on. So uh i don't know like it to me i thought it was fan- like it was f- absolutely fantastic it, it was it was sci fantasy at its best it's super cheesy like it's definitely made in the 80s like it's it, you can tell that like easily like it's not going to have the kind of production quality that many other big budget movies from the 80s are going to have or even from today or anything like that so like, i don't know i don't usually try to compare in those regard but like it's hilarious i mean like there's a reference like they have space herpes like there's a there's a little like space yeah. herpy thing that's and running so around. Like, you didn't huh. tell me you had them. You're supposed to let us know. And then How that's could when, you? That's when he's like he's like I heard they're not that big a thing, you know. Which is which is really kind of funny. Like it's kind of got these little little moments. Um, so I thought there was tons of weird fun stuff. Uh, the whole eunuch stuff was hilarious. And then like the scene where like they're at the debutante ball and everyone's getting high and they're floating on the ceiling and stuff like. All that was just absolutely hilarious and weird. It's just like it's just bizarreness into the bizarre into bizarreness, which I definitely liked. Um, so it kind of like it's been in my mind lately because of all this talk, people talking about Spelljammer, hoping that maybe it's one of the campaign settings. And so like, the minute I think of Spelljammer, I think of Ice Pirates. And I, I watched a couple scenes from Ice Pirates back in like November or so. I didn't watch the whole movie start to finish, but I watched a couple scenes, just grabbed a couple things off YouTube because I was like kind of prepping my Starfinder campaign and getting some inspiration and whatnot. So. But this is the first time I've watched it uh, start to finish in at least 20 years. You know, it's been that long. So it's been a while. Uh, but I think it's a great movie in the sense that it's a bad movie. Like, it's a bad movie, but it's a good movie. It's one of those types. Um, yeah, but I it's don't... not like, like, I think, like, when people think of that, like, think like maybe, like, Dawn of the Dead, or was Dawn of the Dead, where it's, like, you see, like, the trampolines that the uh, the zombies jump off of, or you see, like, cameras and boom mics. It's not like that. Like, the best way I could equate it would be like the movie Cabin in the Woods, where it's a good movie on its own, but it's also referencing the fact of the type of movie. Like it's self-aware of what it is, and it's funny because it's it's self-referencing things that they know makes their stuff ridiculous. Yeah, and that's the best way I can kind of like equate it. But like most of the time, people watch bad movies and they think it's funny. They think of like The Room, or they think of like um. I don't know. Like even Kroll is one of those where it's like, what is happening? This is awful. Yeah. But just like this is better than Kroll. And I think it's overall just a better movie overall. And so I would suggest it if you haven't seen it and you want to watch something that's utterly ridiculous that also gives you some ideas for uh, D and D campaigns in the future. I thought it was no, no. I wouldn't. No. D and D. No. Calm down. Calm down. Listen, buddy. Stay in your lane. Stay. But I I thought it was great though. Like I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was a super inventive ending, and it's just silly and funny. But like the whole time, the first thirty minutes of the movie, I'm like, "What is this? What's happening?" <laughs> but now that I kind of understand what it is, happening. have a yeah. chance to step back and watch it, I'm like, "Okay, this is this is next level interesting." You can watch stuff. it a second so, time, and you can really kind of get the nuances, you know? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I, I highly suggest to watch Ice Pirates, even though that nice. sounds like a ridiculous suggestion. Nice. But yeah, nice. Yeah, if you're if you're open to like goofy, like absolute goofy, if you're willing to watch a movie that doesn't necessarily have the greatest production value ever, 
if you want kind of a blast from the past, if you want kind of get an idea of what some space like movies were like in the like the mid eighties, like definitely watch Ice Pirates. It's a lot of fun. It's silly. Don't take it too seriously, and just sort of like just ride the weird wave that it is. Uh, so two thumbs up or whatever the heck it is we do here at the Lolly Guyers podcast, but we definitely recommend. Uh, and on that note, it's time for Justin to tell us about some uh, some sort of comic or graphic novel or something for us to read. Okie dokie. It's time for the bi-weekly pool. All right, this week for the weekly pool, I decided to go with The Sixth Gun. It is written by Cullen Bunn and it is illustrated by Brian Hurt. I heard about this comic book through a Twitter post by uh, Patton Oswalt. I guess like it was like three days ago. He mentioned the fact that he read the whole series um, and really was praising it. So I was like, if he thinks it's good, I, I, I like him as a comedian. I usually like a lot of his writing. I'm sure uh, this will be interesting. So I went and picked up the local comic shop. Um, and basically, the best way I can describe it is you have this uh, man. His name is Drake Sinclair. He's on the search for, I guess, taboo-style items. It takes place post-Civil War in the Old West. And um, he's looking for a specific item called uh, the Sixth Gun. And basically, a long time ago, there was this uh, Confederate uh, general. His name was uh, Hume, General Hume. He had uh, been known for uh, basically being a bloodthirsty leader for the Confederate army. Everywhere he would go, he would just absolutely destroy the competition. Some thought he had a pact with the devil or something along those lines. And in doing this, I guess he was bestowed upon him six special guns. Uh, each gun holds its own special ability. One has the ability to see in the future. One has the ability to uh, uh, grant long-lasting life and regeneration. One has a super huge shot that'll blow like a cannon through your chest. Uh, one can create fire. One has the power of like plague. And then one also can, uh, what was the last one? Can raise an army of dead out of the sand. So whichever life it takes, it then traps the souls inside of it. So basically, <clears throat> Hume has been dead. He was sealed away into uh, a, a prison, and a priest uh, took his gun from him. The people who own the guns then come looking for the priest. They uh, kill him, and his stepdaughter then takes the gun. Whoever owns the gun, when they die, the next person to touch the gun then becomes the owner of it. So now this young woman is tied to it um and can't remove it anyone else that touches it will get burned or die so uh when drake sinclair finds it finally she has it so he kind of uses her as a way to try and get to what he needs to get to you find out later on that drake is not really a nice guy uh he has a sordid past and she's kind of like your innocent bystander she's the 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 tag along character i forget what it's kind of called the like the Betty Sue or something like that, where like she's the the tag along character that you kind of supposed to identify with. Anyways, <clears throat> talking about this comic book, basically they 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 go through a bunch of adventures trying to get away from these guys. It's kind of a cat and mouse story, but it's a really interesting story. Um, the pencils and the colors are very interesting. Um, they're kind of rough at times, but I think it 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 mirrors the story quite well. Um, the story is very interesting and unique. I haven't really ever read anything quite like it. These almost 
devil-bound weapons that bestow power to their enemies and kind of like an interesting thing you find out later that the guns are part of a greater evil that are supposed to unlock something so it's a really interesting uh story that leads into further uh graphic novels it seems and this is kind of just the setup for it i like trying to review and look over uh comics that are a little bit away from the superhero aspect this is kind of like a uh like it's not realistic because it is demon and super gun related but you know it's not your superhero stance and superhero landing type of thing i enjoyed it quite a bit the story is really interesting and fun um the characters are really well uh planned out your main character drake seems like a really interesting like anti-hero and the the drawing at times can be absolutely phenomenal um so I was just picking it up. I got it for 15 bucks at my local comic book store. I'm sure you can pick it up on Comixology as well for about the same thing. That usually be, tends to be your uh, your standard rate for these uh, graphic novels. It is not standalone. I believe there's six volumes to it so far, and it is a continuing story. It is released by Ani Press, which is it's a little bit more of an independent style uh, comic book distributor. It's it's one of the newer ones. You know, it's not your top three like Marvel, DC, or Image. But it is a, a successful one. So pick it up today. And again, that is uh, The Sixth Gun, written by Cullen Bunn and illustrated by Brian Hurt. Um, I highly suggest you guys pick it up. Anyways, that was my uh, biweekly pull. And uh, let's move on to the next thing. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I assign the other some sort of TV show to watch, game to play, movie to watch, etc. Usually these challenges involve us trying to drive the other a little bit crazy by getting them to watch something we don't normally like, or sometimes we just try to give them something that we think they might like, you know, try to open their horizons a little bit. Uh, And then to ensure that we are actually watching or doing what we've been challenged to do, we quiz each other next time around on the on the old podcast so i'm gonna go ahead and start this week last week justin assigned me tremors a cold day in hell all right yeah exactly so uh tremors cold day in hell it's a new sequel to the tremors universe Uh, apparently there are a bunch of these this is like the sixth sequel i learned uh i've watched the first two movies and then stopped uh, so it came on the Netflix a couple weeks ago. It's directed by Don Michael Paul, and it's written by John Welpley. The most notable people in it are Michael Gross, who will, to me, always be Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. Uh, and he's also the only actor who's actually stuck with the Tremors franchise since the very beginning. Uh, he's kind of the star. Uh, Jamie, Jamie Kenny, he's in it too. So, you know, that's fun, I guess, uh, if that's your thing. Uh, this is apparently his second Tremors movie. He plays, uh, he plays Burt Gummer's uh, son. Burt Gummer is Michael Gross's character. So the story... Because there is one, apparently, in this movie. Uh, the Graboids, and Graboids are like the big worms from the very beginning that kind of tunneled underneath the ground and eat people. And when they exploded, they looked like a pumpkin exploding. Uh, so the Graboids are back, as are the Ass Blasters, which I learned are a different type of monster that entered into the Tremors universe uh, within some sort of middle road movie. I'm not sure. Anyway, the Graboids and Ass Blasters are back, uh, but this time they're terrorizing Canada. Uh, specifically some remote research station near the Arctic. Uh, Dr. Rita Sims is leader of that expedition, and she sends for Bert Gummer, uh, that's Gross's character, who is a renowned Graboid expert. Uh, the tax man, that's like just the government basically, is trying to take Gummer's desert marketplace, Chang's, 
but uh, Bert doesn't really have a whole lot of money. And so in order to co kind of get a gig, he actually takes this Rita Sims invitation and heads up to Canada with his son, Jamie Kennedy. Now, all the while, Bert is apparently dying from a graboid poison that is coursing through his veins. Up in Canada, they get attacked mid-flight by an ass blaster, but eventually they do get to the station. Uh, there's also an American contingent at this station from DARPA, which is some organization uh, that shares the station. Gummer thinks that they're responsible for the graboids, that they're making like biotech weapons out of them or something like that. Uh, he also meets Kevin Bacon's kid, Val. Uh, so that's a thing. Uh, I also couldn't stand that part of the movie, but whatever. Uh, she's apparently interning super coincidentally with the research crew. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, there's really dramatic music when a dude pisses off a crane. And by that, I mean he literally uh, urinates off the top of a crane, not like pisses off a bird or anything. With like the most pee a human being could ever have. It was have a ton. It was amazing. It was pretty impressive, actually. Uh, Jamie Kennedy crawls inside a graboid's mouth to extract a piece of fluid uh, from a sack on the inside of its throat and then remarks that, hey, at least it's not the prostate. Uh, so that was kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, hey. for me, the scene stealer and the real star of this movie was Swackhammer. Uh, which, first of all, is an amazing name, and I'm totally stealing that for the next campaign, a D&D campaign or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably a door. Anyway, uh, he's a mechanic guy who uh, who named a graboid Sally uh, after his ex-girlfriend. Uh, and he had this wonderful line. It's probably my favorite of the whole movie. And he says, Sally Soul Smasher. Uh, she's a dirty, man-eating bitch who used to stick her nose where it didn't belong. And, and that's who he named uh, one of the graboids after. Uh, he also says, I hate to drop turd in a punch bowl. Uh, which is uh, cool which is ass, definitely yeah. which is definitely an unfortunate thing to do. You definitely don't want to do that. Uh, so anyway, that's a Tremors, a cold day in hell. Uh, what do I think of it? Uh, it's dumb. <laughs> uh, it's so dumb. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. It was okay. Like I didn't really laugh at it too much, and I didn't really find it all that interesting. I kind of started to tune out a bit with it. Uh, maybe halfway through, I started you know looking at my phone a little bit more than I I normally do. I uh, didn't really keep my attention too much. Um, I've never really liked, uh, Burt Gummer as the character. I liked Kevin Bacon's character. Like I liked the, uh, when, what's his name? I can't remember the, I never remember the actor's name, uh, who, who was the lead in the, the second like movie. older Jonathan Barathol. Yeah. It's like, like if, like if John Bernthal's face was like pulled to the side and sunburned and he was squinting the whole time. That's what this guy is. He has a name and I would recognize it if I heard it, but I don't remember. John Barenthal's uncle. Yeah, there we go. John Barenthal the first. Isn't it Bernthal or is it Barenthal? I don't know. The guy from Punisher. Is it like Bernstein Bears or Berenstein Bears? Anyway, I think it's Berenstein. Berenstein? Whatever. Anyway, uh, the movie, yeah, uh, I don't recommend it. It's like, it's fine. Like, if you're a Tremors fan and you've been loving, like, the whole Tremors ride that they've been doing all these apparent, like, you know, direct-to-video type movies for a while, uh, then sure. Like, there were a couple funny lines, but overall I didn't find it, like, excessively funny some of the lines that were delivered weren't even delivered that well they were super forced and they i don't know they didn't really feel like they were earned at any point um like at one point gummer says he's fit as a butcher's dog and i still don't understand what that means uh doesn't but make no sense at all i guess because the butcher's dog is eating like scraps or something but also wouldn't that be really bad for the dog yeah, when we get the prime cuts it'd be getting uh, the scrap and begin, like, the facts he also, of it, he also calls the tax man in the beginning like dickweed three times and they have yeah, like it was a really yeah. great moment and it's like what what is yeah the best way i can describe it is like if your grandpa would love this movie because or or a grandpa would love this movie because like it was like 
look at these old guys. They're going back and forth to each other, and they still got a lot in them. I was like, oh, come on. I guess. I don't know. Um, There's also a romantic storyline between Jamie Kennedy and Dr. Rita Sims, which is just ridiculous. And honestly, when it happened, I just kind of looked away. I just, I couldn't. I just, uh, it was no, it was no ice pirates between Jason and Princess Karina. Like, it just, it wasn't that. Like, it didn't have the what, what would be? Didn't There's have no, the magic. Too, I'm sorry. Too, it's 12 in order. I mean, you're, and I kept you're putting these unrealistic to... standards on things. You're not going to have a good time. Yeah, and I kept waiting for dudes and hoods to like drive by in a van, snatch Jamie Kennedy, and stab him to death. Like I kept waiting for that to happen. That's a scream reference, by the way. Uh, but uh, I'll be happen. right back. So overall, I didn't really like it. Didn't think it was that great. It was kind of unremarkable and forgettable. I have no idea how this compares to like the other Tremors movies because I I haven't seen any since the first two. The first one was great. Second one was fine. This one is just nah. Eh. I, I don't know. Like if if you. I mean, I like comedy horror. You know, I really do. Like, I was always a big fan of. Uh, I didn't think it was comedy horror because it wasn't even funny. I thought it was just bad. It was funny at times, but it also wasn't even horror. Like, it was just I don't know. Like, it was trying to be funny. I just didn't think everything was delivered like particularly well. Like, you can definitely tell it wasn't. You know, it it, it was okay, but not great. Like, it it was totally forgettable, and I probably will forget about it. And I probably will bomb the squids because I don't really remember a whole lot about it other than uh, other than Sally Soul Smasher, which is the best part. All right, so you're telling so, me you're ready for your quiz then. As we're trying to I say. am. I was born ready. All right. So, first question. What is the type of scientist that the American scientist was in the beginning? We had the Swedish scientist and the American scientist that were going back and forth. The American scientist was the one with, like, the red sweater. What sure. type of scientist did he say that he was? So, what type of scientist uh, was he? The best. The best kind of scientist. No, right. much like every other character in this movie, when the first two <laughs> minutes of meeting this person, they gave you the deepest dark, the deepest background of their entire depth of their character, or verbally of who they were. So, this guy was a glaciologist. Sure. Glaci- I didn't know that was a thing, but he was a glaciologist. So it sounds like it could be a thing. Maybe. It sounds also super made up, so yeah. I don't know if it's real. I found it interesting. Because at the very beginning, there's an Australian woman who was like off to the side while like a Norwegian dude and a guy and an American dude were like doing one thing. And they were like looking in some snow, which is like the only snow we ever saw, by the way, even though we were in the Arctic. It was kind of weird. The uh, snow looks oddly <laughs> a lot like sand dunes from like yeah, from California. Like with, with the yeah. So she gets attacked. She gets killed first, which really surprised me, actually. And then her arm went flying. I'm like, how does a big thing that huge like not take the arm with them? But I don't know. I feel like it should have just been like a full, kind of a, a full gulp, but that's just me. So that's over, that's a that's an offer. What's next? All right, next question. What is DARPA the acronym for? So Bert says DARPA is the acronym for something. What is DARPA the acronym for? Uh, dickweed, uh, a holes, uh, uh, ridiculous uh people association uh i don't know like the devil or something like something bad uh, very 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 close um i'll have to give you half credit because because it was the acronym for evil um but i thought acronym would have been four words not one word anyways that's what bert says the acronym for but evil. like acronym acronym literally means like every one of those letters should have like a meaning like evil that didn't... he was doing a metaphor i, I guess so Anyways, I'll give you half credit okay. for that one. We'll, we'll, we'll go half credit because devil evil is the same thing. All right. Okay. All right. So I mean, next question. You can't, spell, you can't spell devil without evil. You're absolutely right. It's true. 
and the Did G. You know that devil spelled backwards is lived. Hey, question number three. Uh, according to the, I forget who Jamie Kennedy's uh, love interest was. Doctor Rita Sims. All right. So according to Doctor Rita Sims, what is so sexy that she sees? During an action scene with Jamie Kennedy's character, which I can't remember the name of his character. Uh, his name is Travis. Uh, he, she finds. Uh, I remember the scene. I totally do, but I had my phone out. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. I think it had something to do. That's with most being of the movie for me. Grimy, and like having stuff uh, like on. Because at one point, like she talks about him smelling and stuff. I think. I don't know. That's. I think this is wrong. That, that, that was a bad answer. Uh, uh, what is? Uh, what is potpourri? She's, uh, she finds potpourri sexy. Ooh, so close, so close. Nope. The actual answer was biomechanical engineering is so sexy. Well, I mean, how else do you get potpourri but through biomechanical I guess she was referring to how like cool a, that Graboid was moving through the ground. I don't know. Was, I think it's it half credit. Good. I think that should be half credit because potpourri is made uh, via uh, biomechanical uh, engineering. What are you doing right now? Are you okay? Uh, Someone's uh, strangling uh, you? Uh, Anyways, it okay, broke so. at the beginning of the episode, and now someone's just strangling you out. Yeah. Okay. Right. Last question, and this is a this has a, a varied answers, and I'll just have to see where you land on it. The question is, where would you rank this film? Number right. one being Tremors one, and right. the worst being Tremors four: The Legend Begins. So, where would you rank this? Is it is it like at one through six? Where would sure. you put it? Well, Justin, I am a Tremors expert. In the past five minutes, since when I said that I hadn't actually watched any of the movies after two, okay. I have, right, in fact, right. actually watched all of them in the past five okay. minutes. Okay, all right, all right. I would place this uh, number four, just outside of a medal. No bronze, uh, it gets number four. Number four. Well, you're behind... absolutely right, because there's any answer you would have given would have been correct on that. The correct order, by the way, is Tremors 1, Tremors 2, Tremors 3. Five, which shows us the introduction of Jamie Kennedy, right? Then Tremors six, then Tremors four, which you know, obviously terrible, terrible movie. I don't want any, anything to do with that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, have you seen five or or four? No. All right. Yes. So then I've seen them all. I've seen them all. Last okay. five minutes. You clearly just don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, it's my, my fault. Okay. My fault. Right. I don't know. Do all right. Anyways, so you got uh, let's see, one, two. No, you got you got one and a half, right? Because you got the last one. And you got sure. half credit for evil. I'm so excited. you got one and a half points on this quiz. Uh, not your best work. You I honestly feel better, bad. Yeah? It's probably better that I didn't do good on this one. If I did do good on this one, I probably would have felt ashamed. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like, like, oh, man, I really like, like this movie. It's really weird. Man, if, if, if doing well on a Tremors, a Cold Day in Hell quiz is, is right, then I don't want to be right. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, what, what the hell was your challenge? So my challenge was a TV show that came out in 2015 called, uh, it's a Netflix original called Glitch. Um, it's out of Australia. Basically stars Patrick Bromall, Genevieve O'Reilly, Emma Booth. Um, all these people are all Australian actors that I have never seen before or heard of before. Uh, but I thought they all did a really good job. I will that theory later in the quiz, but go ahead. Oh, continue. okay. Uh, so basically the story is, it follows a police officer, and I can't remember his name, uh, and uh, he investigates a call where his he goes to... His name was James. 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 Jack, James. Stop doing this. 
Uh, so uh, we have our first Australian listeners, so maybe this isn't a great idea for us to make fun of them. Anyways, I so know, <laughs> uh, he basically investigates this call in a cemetery and sees a whole bunch of people that are naked, covered in dirt. And through further investigation, when he brings them back to the hospital, he notices that they all were once dead because one of the people that they found was his dead wife that passed away from breast cancer two years prior. This is correct. So that kind of starts this whole thing of, oh, these people came back to life. Much like the last show you had me watch, uh, La Revenant, uh, where they people La came Revenant. back to life. We're terrible. So basically, uh, he starts trying to put the pieces together. He has, since her death, been remarried and had a child with her best friend. So there's clearly some conflict with that. And basically trying to figure out what is... What's going on in this in this town? Um, first episode, they uncover all the people. They start kind of get to the bottom of what's going on. One of them seems to be from 300 years ago. Is like some Romanian that I guess was imprisoned there when Australia was a a uh, a prison uh, uh, state uh, capital. Continent, I believe the term I guess. you're looking for is penal colony. A penal colony. Um, so one of them was like a, a convict there because I guess he murdered someone on accident or something like that. Um, you find out one's like, I guess, 80 years old or 100 years old is a female who also speaks Romanian. And that's why she's able to talk to this guy. Uh, one of them died like 50 years ago. One of them died like 10 years ago. It's a really interesting uh, type of dynamic of all these different characters. And one of them is obviously the wife of the of James. James. Uh, so uh, that's interesting. So that's the first episode. Second episode, they start exploring the characters a little bit more. You find out that James uh, has a, a wife that was the best friend of... I forget the name of his... <gasps> Shocking. Well, the wife's it? name is Kate. Kate. So <laughs> James, who was married to Kate, uh, is now married to someone else. Uh, so I don't know if I had that sentence good, but I tried <laughs> I'm going to really work on my Australian accent. So, um, we definitely need to, apparently, yeah. It's this guy, I got work to do. It's a skill we need to develop, yeah. So, um, so that whole thing happens. One of them you find out was the mayor of the, was the establishing mayor of the town that they're in. And I guess he was killed by an Aborigine. So he's like super racist towards Aborigines. as really interesting stuff. Um, it actually gets more interesting than that, too. Like it gets sad. And you also find out, like, if they leave the town, they disintegrate to ash. So something about this town... They can only stay within this town to still be alive. So it's really interesting. Um, so what did I think of this show? The show's fine. It's acted out really well. Um, mm. I've never seen some of these actors before. So seeing them, uh, and I thought I thought no one really overacted or underacted. I thought it was all really well done. The social commentary is pretty interesting of like, what do you do if something like this were to happen? Even though it's clearly so impossible. Um, like, you know, with this, like, uh, double wife scenario type of thing, which to me sounds pretty awesome. But uh, um, it's one of those things where it's, like, interesting stories that come up of, like, what if this stuff would happen? But, I don't know, I guess it's not really for me. I'm just not super interested in this type of stuff. Sure. Um, how would you, okay, how about this? It's like, would, would, if you were to recommend either this one or the one from last week, uh, I found which one I found the the Re, Le Revenant to okay. be a lot more interesting because I want to know, like, right. I kind of want to know more with them what made them come back. 
It's interesting because like I feel like in uh, Le Revenant, like in the return, it's more of like a mystical thing going on. And in yeah, Glitch, or... it's more of like a scientific, like they're playing with science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just sort of interesting. They're taking different different uh, routes. It's, like, it's different angles, but mm-hmm. it's still almost the exact same thing. Same basic but, like, story. I'm I'm I was more interested because I thought some of the characters were a lot more interesting. Like sure. the little right. boy was really interesting and like the the parents were were interesting and stuff like that and uh the return. But like right. I don't know. These 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 shows are good. They're not bad. But they're just mm. not my cup of tea. It's not your thing. I, sure. I guess not. But but still right. like I like the acting and stuff like that. It was it was fine, but it's just not my 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 wheelhouse, I guess. So, anyway, you ready for questions? I am so questions? ready. Okay, can you name the city where this takes place and spell it backwards? Oh my god. Um. Uh, it was there's L's and O's and N's in it. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Lunana, was that what it was or something like that? You're close. Very close. La Nuna? Correct. The correct answer is no. You can't seem to do it. Uh, so that's uh, it's gonna be a zero. Uh, the <laughs> name of the city is Yorana. Y O O R A. Ah, the close so, Lunana. Lunana. That's why I said you were very close. Pretty much the same thing. But the correct answer was no. You can't. Uh, all right. True or false? Glitch is actually a prequel to the Netflix movie Cargo that we reviewed in our previous episode. And those people who actually came up out of the grave are carrying the zombie virus that proliferates around well this really Australia. separates the men from the boys here doesn't it true or um, false here's the correct answer to this um i didn't see enough uh hobbits in this one so i'm gonna have to say false oh false. that's incorrect that's incorrect I, correct uh correct answer was true it's okay true, which glitch that. actually came before cargo so yeah okay my all right number three uh who would win in a fight a koala bear or Patty Fitzgerald, and please describe the winning combination of moves that would end that fight. Patty Fitzgerald was the older dude, former mayor, really racist, etc. Okay, all right. So I'd say it had to be Koala Bear comes in low, right? Takes out the legs with a low knee kick, right? Comes back up to the head, uppercut. You got you go you go with a three-piece combination: uppercut, left hook, right elbow to the temple. He's out. Now, at this point, the koala bear can do whatever he wants, right? Because he's got him out. Take his back, rear naked choke, whatever he wants to do. But I think koala bear has got it easily. Easily. Justin, that is, that's the correct answer. Word for word, whatever. I, I did that. That's, that's pretty good. It's amazing. I would assume that that would be wrong. No, that's correct. That's 100% correct. That's one point. I'm proud of myself. Fantastic. All right. What do you think is dustier? The locations where the show is shot or where I live? I've been to your house and it didn't seem very dusty when I was there. Maybe you were preparing for me, but uh, I'll have to say uh, the Australian Outback would be a little bit more dusty. Oh, that is incorrect. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Uh, uh, we are in, uh, we're starting dust storm season. Uh, it's pretty awful. Uh, uh, I see. That's incorrect. Well, right. I know that my own house is dusty because, like, my cat has been like, he likes my, she likes my desk sure. a lot. So she'll go behind my sure. monitors. And so she's her own little. Swiffer, I guess. Every time she comes out, she's just covered in dust bunnies. It's adorable. All right, and then the last thing, not really a question. Uh, I just want to point out the the did you recognize uh, Alicia, the the woman, the doctor? Uh, she's actually the new Mon Mothma from Rogue One. 
and uh, I did not recognize drove her. me insane. I'm like, where have I seen this actress? And, she looks like, nothing not like her that. at all. So, well, the hair, like the hair, does so much. It's amazing. I like, guess so, it's, but it's, like it's, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't nothing even struck hair. me a little bit where it was like, do I know this person? I was like, it's just an Aussie actor. I don't know who this is. I'm a face person. Like I, I recognize people by their faces. Like and 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 I'm not particularly great with names but uh, I, I just knew it uh anyway but it, it sort of was like fascinating i'm like oh yeah that's where she's from so there you go all Rogue right, one. Okay. All, right, all, right. all right new challenges i am gonna go ahead and shift gears since you're not really digging these shows and i'm gonna give you something else uh i'm gonna give you a video game very cheap up on good old games gog.com because they're having their summer sale uh it's a board game but as a video game, it's not actually a board game. There's no physical version of this, but it's it's designed by people who actually are basically making it into a board game. It's called Antihero. Uh, it's a little game about so it's, it's uh, the playing. Punisher, the board game. But you're is. playing a bunch of orphans. It's cartoony, and you're moving around the city, you're doing different abilities and stuff like that. All right, so it's good. About four bucks, I think, up on uh, Google Games right now. So grab it while it's on sale. What do you got for me? So I was trying to bounce some stuff around in my head. I had two choices, so I'm uh, I didn't really know what to do. So I'm gonna leave it up to you. All right. So um, I got two choices. All right. Would you yeah. rather like teen angsty or I'll take the other. Okay. All right. So the other would be uh, <laughs> futuristic sci-fi. So yeah, that's way better. Do? Okay. So the movie I'm going to have you watch is yeah. death race 2050. <laughs> you can find it on Netflix. Um, it looks like a real winner. Okay. That was Can't the plan. Wait. So death race. the other choice was the kissing booth. Which I actually have already seen. Uh, That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. I'm so sorry. I watched it because Netflix said I would like it because I liked Riverdale. It's your Riverdale uh, curse coming up the bite in the butt. They were totally wrong. I did not like it. How dare there's they put no, that? The there's no Archie in this at all. Why would I like oh this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The older brother was kind of dreamy. He was way too tall, though. Ugh, way too tall. It's freaking me the out. The girl in that movie looks like she's... 12 she's so young yeah. looking and the guy looks yeah. like he's 35 yeah That's so weird yeah it's a little strange also i'm pretty sure uh like the other brother like the best friend is actually the lead like the, the kid from uh uh what was that movie uh super eight remember that that super eight movie that really good like that's a long time movie? ago i can't remember those characters but yeah all. i think i think that was him so anyway okay so yeah i got it i got it death race check death race 2050 right. got it all right, it's about time we uh, get the flock out of here. At <laughs> uh, TBS. Uh, so, uh, where can you find us on the web? You can go ahead if you uh, if you like what you what you hear. You can head up over to the old iTunes. I know it's kind of inconvenient and annoying, but uh, if you could, you can join the few other people who have actually dropped us a little review. Uh, told us how we're doing. Told us how Justin's bad. And how he needs to stop talking about his personal grooming habits. Uh, but you can also find us up on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play Music, etc. But iTunes. Everywhere iTunes reviews can really help us. Uh, so we definitely appreciate that. You have some time. Uh, you can find us up on the old interwebs, uh, lollygaggerco.com, L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R.com. We post all of our uh, all of our episodes there. Also a couple of videos from our friend Papa Provo. And uh, you can get us up on the old Twitter. Uh, usually it's just me running that now, uh, at lollygaggerco. Uh, say hi. Uh, Justin is a professional streamer. Uh, where can they find you, sir? Professional with giant quotation marks on it. Uh, but sure. I uh, do Twitch streaming on twitch.tv slash Jehufa. That's J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. Uh, this Wednesday, I'll be getting back in that Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, nice. I played 30 minutes of it, and I thought I was going to blow my brains out. But nice. from what uh, Gabe tells me, I had to spend like two hours playing it, and then eventually it's going to get really good. 
So I'm gonna. Ah. He said. He said, "Don't read anything about it. Don't watch any spoilers. Just play it. It's worth it in the end." So I'm about to power through it. It's basically just a novel with anime characters that you're reading. Gabe about. also recommended uh, that I watch Blue Exorcist, and I tried, and I got uh, <laughs> a minute and thirty-seven seconds in, and I had to stop. Uh, so yeah. And then right. uh, this Thursday, I'm starting up Alien Isolation. So cool. that's scary. Spooky right. Thursday. That'll be fun. That's what we're doing. That'll so. be fun. It's fun Anyways. listening to Justin yeah. scream. All right. So uh, let's say some thank yous. Right? You ready? You good? Oh yeah. yeah. Right. So to everyone that was at the grocery store in Home Depot yesterday, when I was out running errands and buying a bunch of things. Every single time I went to pull something from a shelf, there was somebody in the way, including this one woman who was in the health aisle, who stood in front of the Faya uh, Greek yogurt that I was looking to buy for like a couple minutes, never moving, completely oblivious. And like 20 minutes later, when I passed by again, she was still there examining the various flavors of almond milk. So anyway, thank you. I'd like to thank my new kitty, MJ, that I bought for my wife for our anniversary. It's uh, July 3rd. Um, it was supposed to be a present for her, but MJ, my new black cat, loves me more than my wife and follows me around everywhere. So thank you so much for making me feel that much more special. To the UPS delivery guy who rang my doorbell so forcefully that my doorbell stuck and kept repeating for like 10 minutes. So every 30 seconds, there was the ding dong, ding dong. My dog was going crazy, freaking me out, looking at me, wondering what's going on. Why aren't you answering the door? Until I fixed it. Thank you. Finally, to Magic the Gathering Arena, I want to thank you for coming up with a new update, uh, making it so that it's now completely standard compliant, and I'm going to waste way too much money and time on this thing, even though you are just a beta client. So thank you for ruining my life for what is a child's game. Thank you so much.